0: Hello, this is Mike Biffle, creator of Thomas Was Alone and John Wick Hex, and you're listening to the Xbox Expansion Pass.
1: Welcome one, welcome all, to episode 53 of the Xbox Expansion Pass, recorded on Sunday, October 11th, 2020. I am your host, Luke Lore, the insipid ghost. In this episode, we welcome Malik Prince, the program manager for the Xbox MVP and ambassador programs for Xbox, here to discuss his work in building a healthy community for the Xbox ecosystem. Microsoft is continuing to move forward with its plans to bring xCloud to iOS, and Marvel's Avengers is struggling to maintain a player base. Enjoy. Yet another week of gaming is upon us and behind us. Welcome to XCP, discussing all things in the gamerverse as they pertain to the Xbox ecosystem. And as I am wont to do each and every week, I want to offer a quick word of thanks and kindness to several people who have brightened my week in this past week of gaming. And it goes out this week to PTK Blam and his members of the SHOP podcast over on YouTube. Staggerilla, Fuzzy Belvedere, and Centurion welcomed myself and Ainsley Bowden from Season Gaming onto their show to talk about games. And it was a wonderful reminder of just The the feeling of community that you get in hanging out and chatting with other gamers who just enjoy playing and talking about games. So thank you, Blam, for having me. Shout out to the Shop Podcast. I appreciate you guys, and it was a great way to kick off my podcasting weekend. Well, let's rock and roll here, guys. Lots to talk about this week before we get to our interview with Malik Prince and his content on the Xbox Ambassadors. Really had a great conversation with him, and I'm anxious to share that with you. We talked for an hour about all things from representation in games to funny Phil Spencer stories and and avoiding embarrassment here and there. It was a blast to talk to Malik. But before we get to those things, let's talk first about Microsoft continuing to move forward with efforts to bring xCloud to the iOS platform. Now, as a reminder, we know that Apple seemed to nix that in the bud earlier this year, uh, and Microsoft seemed to hit back on that. Of course, the Epic uh, Epic Game Store rivalries there, pushing back with Fortnite and Epic Games. Now, a lot of back and forth with just what Apple uh, wants to see in terms of profit margins and what they want to do with their platform on Apple devices for the gaming space. Uh, a lot of back and forth, and it was a comfortable reminder to me that Microsoft does not view their primary competition in the console space any longer, but rather in the screen space in wanting to get their content out to as many screens as possible and standing in their way was Apple, is Apple, uh, by denying Game Pass and the xCloud app over on their products. But Microsoft seems to be working on a direct browser-based solution that would bring xCloud to iOS earlier Uh, than expected early in 2021. Now I'm reading from uh, several articles here, kind of an amalgamation of GameSpot and a few others. Uh, They say, sources familiar with Microsoft's plans tell The Verge and GameSpot uh, that the company has been developing a web version of xCloud to run on iOS and iPadOS devices. This is continuing to work on, on bringing the app to fully run into Apple's platform and work around a few things there. Uh, Phil Spencer revealed that the company's browser-based XCloud work uh, was in its final uh, was in its final phase, rather, during a recent all hands meeting, and he said, "quote We will absolutely end up on iOS. We'll end up on iPhones and iPads with Game Pass." End quote. He also noted that he quote feels good about the company's iOS. Progress, And that's something to be excited because I know a lot of Apple and iOS users were frustrated when it was announced that they would not be able to reap the benefits of their Game Pass Ultimate memberships the way that their Android compatriots would. Uh, I know I can tell you since... Since it went fully launched into into iOS, into Game Pass Ultimate, and everybody was able to access the Game Pass catalog, I've been having a blast on my uh, my Android phone playing with the Razer Kishi, enjoying multiple games. Really, Minecraft Dungeons is just to me the perfect game to play via XCloud, and it's been a blast. And I know several of my friends who are on iDevices that want to take advantage of. Uh, the full benefit of their subscription to Game Pass, uh, and they're missing out. And so I really like that Xbox is continuing to push this forward with a browser-based solution. I wonder if Apple will move to stop it. I wonder if they are going to be working against this uh, continuously because it does make them look like the bad guys. And when you think about uh, the momentum that Microsoft has in the consumer-friendly space, the articles that are being written, the The verbiage that is being used, it paints Apple in a a negative light. Whether they're actually the bad guys, as I I said, almost haphazardly, uh, is not really the matter at hand. What you're hoping to see here is that players are able to take advantage of catalogs that they've paid for, that developers are able to reap the financial benefits of people playing their games, and that everyone's able to enjoy and play together. So here's hoping that continues, but I'm glad to see that Microsoft has not stopped their work to bring Game Pass to as many people as possible because it's a healthy ecosystem uh, that builds and grows and serves its gamers. Now when you speak about positive ecosystems, it has been hard in recent years to even mention the words GameStop without at least a bit of a wince here and there as they have been in a floundering position for several years uh, since the rise of digital distribution and the frustration and negative think pieces that have come out about their used gaming practices and how it keeps financial benefits going to developers because new versions are not being sold uh, and those numbers are not being seen. They've been floundering. They've no longer become that haven for gamers to unite for midnight launches and to celebrate the release of a game uh, with digital distribution and the like. And it looked like GameStop was going to shut down altogether. We know they've closed three to 400 stores and are planning to close even more. Uh, they were looking for a buyer that seemingly didn't happen. And interestingly, it was announced in this past week that GameStop and Microsoft will enter a strategic partnership. Now there's a lot of ideas floating around for just what this means and just what it, it it will purpose it will serve going forward. Microsoft, as I understand it, and from what I have read, has not purchased GameStop in the traditional sense. It's not it's not as though uh, those are all now specifically Xbox stores and the like. However, there are, there's a layered aspect of this. It's a multi-year partnership. Uh, And the deal enables the retailer to provide a differentiated and personalized in-store customer experience centered around more advanced tools through Microsoft assets like Dynamic 365, Surface Notebooks, and Microsoft Teams. What that means is they are updating their stores, finally. No longer will those old uh, point-of-sale services – I say POS, but it's point-of-sale, just to be clear – those operating systems that – customers were were funneled through uh, and people that worked there had to use in order to provide pre-orders and the like they'll be updated they'll be using tablets they'll be working with different uh, aspects of microsoft's ecosystem themselves and it will likely mean that GameStop's going to begin to feel more like an apple store or specific aspects of best buy where people are walking around with their surface tablets in hand uh, offering to, to help and assist customers in that way and use the, those tools to collaborate to help the customer It is going to be interesting to see just how this plays out. Uh, My understanding is that there's going to be some reward for incentivizing people to enter into the Xbox ecosystem. Uh, We know that Microsoft partnered with GameStop uh, as part of the Xbox All Access program, and there's a lot of information that is just not quite clear at this time. But I will read you a quote or two. Uh, coming from Phil Spencer, because I think that's an appropriate thing to do in this case. Uh, He's spoken highly about GameStop in a press release, which is, of course, makes perfect sense, calling them a go-to-market partner, uh, which also makes sense in the year of a console launch. And he has said, quote, For many years, GameStop has been a strong go-to-market partner for our gaming products, and we are excited about continuing and evolving that relationship with the launch of the Xbox Series X and S. GameStop's extensive store base focus on digital transformation in an omni-channel environment and expert gamer associates remain an important part of our gaming ecosystem, and we are pleased to elevate the partnership. Now, this is an interesting turn of events, at least in my mind. Of course, GameStop suffered uh, for several years due to you know their business practices, and I would argue the mindshare that was sent their way, and as I said multiple times at this point, digital distribution. However, that was more evident than ever that they were not ready for the future when COVID-19 hit. When coronavirus took place and it was in the very early stages and people were unsure as to just how the virus was transmitted, uh, trade-ins went on in some places were totally canceled in others. Certain states, uh, governors shut down different businesses in different phases and GameStop was and was not ready depending on where they were to handle trade-ins safely for the people, their associates that worked there, for their customers that were buying and purchasing things, and they struggled that much more. It has been wild to watch the stories about GameStop as they looked for a sale at one point. They looked to be selling selling off parts of their business, laying off tons of employees. I believe they announced plans most recently to close between uh, 400 to 500 stores. I think the, r- the round number was 450, but I mean, who knows at this point. Uh, and it's, it's odd because I saw GameStop going away within the next five years, dwindling down the way Toys R Us did uh, till they eventually ended up in Circuit City land of nothingness. That said, once this deal was announced, their stock prices rose fairly sharply. I believe the number was 55% and went up to their highest since 2019. Uh, so there is something to be said for Microsoft's influence here. The way I see this playing out is those stores that are set to close are still going to close and they'll become those that remain open will become updated, sleeker, more ready to uh, assist in terms of digital distribution, setting people up with payment plans, all access, incentivizing Game Pass as a service, perhaps incentivizing uh, retro games in the old disk-based space, maybe. Uh, but bottom line, this is going to be a method for Microsoft to immediately have capital to push their digital services they'll have a store-based location like an apple store would to say hey have you heard about game pass do you know about this if they have 15 million subscribers without a single base of educated associates to send out information about game pass doing this will allow them to spread that message that much more to me it's a very forward-thinking move i am very curious as to how it plays out to me this is high-level business stuff that on the surface to To people like myself, I've not entered a GameStop in over two years at this point. Uh, I do everything digitally or via shipping, so I'm curious to see how this plays out for them, but it's hard to imagine it going south. Uh, And it's important to note this is Microsoft per se, not specifically Xbox, though of course Xbox is quite involved in this. Uh, It's definitely a story to watch. One of the, I think, more frustrating stories to see in, in the past few weeks has been Marvel's Avengers, the player count, dwindling. At one point on PC, it dwindled to below 1,000 players, which is, I would argue, rather scary. Of course, we reviewed the game on XCP a few weeks ago, and I said pretty much that I really liked the story. And the multiplayer was quite boring, and the game really gets in the way of itself by way of its looter-shooter grind at the end, and it seems silly to be grinding for gear as the Incredible Hulk, and why can I, as the Incredible Hulk, get wiped out by a bunch of peons from AIM or, or the same robots over and over again? It was repetitive and boring, and that was kind of the, the kicker there. I got a $60 enjoyable experience uh, from my time with it, But it's not something I want to play right now. Long load times, frustrating bugs and glitches, and having finished the story, I don't see a reason to go back at this point. And it seems that Crystal Dynamics is frustrated by that as well and is working to try and rectify it. Though I would argue, once again, this game came out six months too early. Moreover, I am frustrated by the price point. I would have loved to see, given the amount of microtransactions in that game, I would have loved to see that game launch at 40, and I think we would have all been a lot happier. But Microsoft, uh, Microsoft. Crystal Dynamics studio head Scott Amos said that he's confident players are going to come back to Avengers as they are planning to release new missions and characters in the weeks ahead, and that includes new modes as well. Mind you, you're going to be getting a couple different Warzone-type missions, a few things that they're calling Tachyon Rifts, uh, and Outposts, and frankly, it's all mumbo-jumbo within the game. The draw, I think, is going to be the two Hawkeyes that are coming with Kate Bishop and Clint Barton. Two more playable characters to... to uh, let players experience more aspects of Avengers. But I will tell you this: if the enemy ver- enemy variety and mission type don't become more diverse than they are now, no one's going to stick around, no matter who you put in there. I would argue that on PlayStation side, they'll get a big boost when you see Spider-Man, because people will be high on on the Miles Morales vibes. But uh, man, it is a bad time to be Marvel's Avengers and know that you're headlining. DLC character of Spider-Man is isolated to a player base that continues to dwindle as well. The PlayStation and Xbox numbers are not flattering I, at all. Uh, Steam is right now peaking at two thousand players, and at one point dropped below a thousand. That just it makes me concerned because there's a lot of fun to be had within Avengers, and a lot of letdown to be had as well. I I need more of enemy types. I want to see more diversity in those missions. I just hate that Spider-Man's exclusive because they could the whole game on every platform could really use that boost. And we know, of course, that when Chadwick Boseman passed away, that, that Avengers changed the plans of what they were going to show, and that strongly suggests that you're go- you were going to see some Black Panther-level stuff. And that's a shame as well because that is a character that I think a lot of people would would re-enter the game for. If they are retooling things and they're working out the, they've been working around massive amounts of bugs and cleaning up a lot of that experience, and I feel like Avengers is ripe for Series X load times and Series S load times. It'll be perfect for that. If they can get those new characters out there, get some new content out there at the right time, I think Avengers is quite salvageable. There's a lot to build on, but they've got to figure out some things. And simply put, the loot grind aspect for Avengers just doesn't fit it doesn't fit at all and it feels like it was forced into an otherwise really fun game if they had made a uh, marvel ultimate alliance style game with the visuals and gameplay that they have right now i think we'd all be having a lot more fun and that player base would be up top nonetheless uh, all the best to that team at crystal dynamics they certainly made a beautiful game there is fun to be had in it and i hope it it rekindles because i enjoyed playing it and i would love to go back with the shorter load times of next gen and with some new characters for sure we are rockin' and we are rolling. Now, this next thing, not much of a story. And I would argue it's not really a story at all. More of a thought piece for you at the moment. We saw Bethesda Collections release on PlayStation 4 and Xbox One and are listed for the Xbox Series S and X. Of course, this is news, mind you, because it's, they are not listed for the PlayStation 5, and Microsoft just acquired Bethesda. So it's interesting to me to see that eight Bethesda software games are being released in two different compilations titled The Wolfenstein Alternative History Collection and The Dishonored and Prey Arcane Collection. And they're coming to Series X. They're already available for PlayStation 4 and Xbox One, but nothing for PlayStation 5. And I'm curious... If this is indeed uh, the path that we'll see taking, continue to support the platforms that are already out there, but anything going forward will land on Xbox-specific content, be PC or Xbox consoles themselves. I wonder about that. I mean, are we going to see the next Wolfenstein game? And we've got 1, 2, New Colossus, young, Old Blood, Young Blood, whatever the extra ones were. They're in one collection, and they're coming to next gen. Uh, are they going to be in Game Pass? I'm curious. We've got that $80 current generation uh, collection for Arcane stuff with Dishonored 1, 2, and the, the expansion, Death of an Outsider, along with Prey. That's a $60 thing on current gen. I, I have so many questions about where this goes. And again, that's why I'm not literally listing this as a news piece so much as a question piece. Do we or expect to see those next-gen collections on PlayStation 5? And if I'm Microsoft... I don't. I don't. I begin to show Xbox gamers where that exclusive content will go, and I set a precedent moving forward. We will support every platform that currently exists for that content that we own. We will no longer support future content with those types of things. would love to see the Doom 3 or whatever the, the sequel to Doom Eternal will be to be Xbox-specific, given that they purchased it. There's a lot of debates over what an exclusive means, and there's a lot of questions about, well, what are they going to do now with this franchise, that franchise? We've talked about that extensively on previous episodes, so I will not bore you with the same conversation over and over again. What I will say to you is this. The fact that you are wondering, or if anybody, rather, I should say, is wondering whether or not it will be exclusive should speak to the caliber of support that Microsoft has instilled upon you on their previous acquisitions with things like Minecraft by the allowance of Cuphead and Ori to hit other platforms. Uh, We're seeing Minecraft Steve over in Smash, and Banjo is over on Smash. and It is an interesting conundrum to have, but it does speak to Microsoft's desire to have their content on as many screens as possible. The console space... That's a tired debate platform. It's not one that Microsoft is playing to any longer. Instead, they are looking to Stadia, to Luna, to Apple, and then later on to PlayStation and Nintendo. Their battleground has changed. It is not a console battleground. So where we see their future content end up might be might be shown in how they handle these next gen compilations of, of previous software with the Wolfenstein and Prey combinations there. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117, with a shout-out to the Xbox Expansion Pass. Keep your heads up during this time of isolation. Stay
0: positive. Play some games. Most importantly, finish the fight. Thanks for listening to XEP. Master Chief, out.
1: Now, ladies and gents, I'm rocking and rolling quickly because I have a, an hour-long interview with Malik Prince to share with you guys in a great conversation. Uh, so I do want to, instead of, of continuing with different aspects of news, I think we've covered what I'd like to cover. Let's take it to listener mail. Listener mail? I don't have a mail. They, 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 people tweet them at me. You know, what are you going to do there? Listener questions. Let's go with that. And if you have a question, you can always tweet me at InsipidGhost. You can DM me as well on Twitter as my DMs are always open, and you can email me insipidghost at gmail.com. So let's see here. We'll start off with a question from Edward Varnell. Edward, always a wonderful supporter of the show, he says, Luke, how do you envision the Microsoft holiday for next year? That is a great question, Edward. The truth is, I am not quite sure, simply because we don't know where Halo Infinite is going to land. All the eggs were put in the basket seemingly for Halo Infinite to be launching this year. Of course, we're looking at uh, all the the toys and and the marketing is already out and available. The commercials for Taco Bell are there. And that, to me, the fact that they're still rolling with those commercials now suggests that that game is not going to be a holiday 2021 release as I would have thought. When I saw the delay, I was thinking they'd delay it a year And then we're rocking and rolling next holiday with Halo, and they've got a good install base, and maybe they even shift it to be more predominantly showcased on Series S and X. With the marketing that we're seeing for Infinite now, I'm thinking maybe that's a summer release, and they're trying to do something else for Holiday. And whether that's Hellblade 2, one of the rare titles, maybe Everwild comes out, uh, I don't know. I don't think you'll see Fable. I don't think you'll see a lot of those Bethesda games that are in the works, unless there's something that we are simply not privy to. But I think you see a strong holiday in 2021 of exclusive Xbox games. They've got a lot of studios now, a lot of people working around the clock with multiple teams to bring content. By then, I would hope we know what the initiative is working on, and that brings hype and excitement and continues to push the Xbox Game Pass platform uh, as it were. A year from now, I think Microsoft's going to be sitting pretty and enjoying their holiday season. I think they're going to have a good holiday season this time around. Uh, I think both Sony and Microsoft will sell out. I think Sony will sell out uh, with higher numbers. It looks like they have more units ready to go, but, I mean, who knows at this point. Uh, Bottom line, I think Microsoft's set for a great holiday, but when it comes to two specific titles, Edward, man, I have no idea. Now, as he is wont to do each and every week, Famous Seamus writes in with several questions. He's going with one fun question and one rather serious one. His first question, I'm going to put on my Famous Seamus voice, Spooky question, Luke. You learn that your previously unknown great-uncle has passed away, and he left you $1 million in his will. However, to claim that inheritance, you must survive the night in a haunted house or similar settings from a game of your choice. Your choice. That's a great question, Famous Seamus, and I was racking my brain. I even posed this question back out to Twitter to, to find out just what it should be, because, of course... When your mind thinks spooky, I mean, I was jumping to Resident Evil 7, Resident Evil 4, Resident Evil 2, The Evil Within, Evil This, Evil That, all types of actually scary games. Those kind of one-offs where you you run through and the girl stands behind you and then all of a sudden grabs your face, PT ripoff type stuff. Man, I was I was, whew, whew, I was getting all heated. So I posed it back out to Twitter, and man, oh man, Dan Rodriguez and and Steel Rain and and several others said. Luigi's Mansion needs to be the way to go, and I'm like, ooh, good, good thought there. Can I say Luigi's Mansion? Cause I'm gonna. That to me is the safe bet. Maybe Costume Quest. That I can survive those spooky games, as it were, pretty comfortably. Even Todd Oxtra told me I could could choose Luigi's Mansion, so that's the one I'm choosing right there. Our buddy I Dizzy. Kevin, he said that I should have chosen Casper, uh, the old, I believe it was Super Nintendo version of a game. And Kevin Butler, I Need a Hero, said that I should be going with Ghouls and Goblins or Ghosts and Goblins uh, for the old Capcom game. And no way to that, Kevin. The game's too hard. But yeah, that was that was what I was going, going with was all these real scary stuff. And then it was like, hmm. Luigi's Mansion is absolutely the right choice. I also I, I have eyes on a new spooky game that's coming out down the line uh, October 23rd called Pumpkin Jack. I even reached out to the developer to see if we can't get them on the show, but that looks like a fun spooky game. Pumpkin Jack. Put your eyes on it, guys. Te- go seek that out, look at a trailer or two, and tell me you're not excited to play that game. I'm stoked for it. I, I'm curious if that's one uh, to check out. Hmm, who knows? But I digress. Famous Seamus gives me a serious question for his second, and he says, Do you think games that have been out in Early Access for a while, like Hades in Early Access 2018, or games released on other consoles before the year, he's thinking like uh, Darksiders Genesis being on Stadia in 2019, but really coming to consoles in 2020, should be eligible for Game of the Year awards? And man, that is a great question, Famous Seamus, and I'm not sure I have the authority in this realm to even offer a true opinion on that, but I will say this. Jeff Keighley is working right now to bring the Game Awards in mid to early December, I believe. Two months from right now, I believe. And last year, Jedi Fallen Order missed out on the voting due to its release timing, and it's on the list for this year. Every year... There are games that get missed, and then you wonder if it'll be relevant a year later. So there's always a cutoff date that you have to uh, account for, and sometimes that's just the way it works. I mean, if we talk about that in the sports ball games when you have brackets set up, and you say, well, we can let in 32 teams, and then somebody gets 33, and you're like, oh, they could have done great. Okay, we let in 64 teams, and then you're talking about number 65. And there has got to be a cutoff always. In the case of Darksiders Genesis, to me, in my mind, that's a 2020 game. And that's not fair, because it did come out on Stadia in 2019. But to me, Stadia was such a niche service, and while it's denotatively not uh, in beta, to me it was such a strong beta that it felt silly to even pretend like that game was truly out uh, in 2019. So, I don't know that I have a, a sincere, confirmed, this is what I think. And case by case is not fair either because then you you run into the consistent problems of, well, what about this or that? But when I think of Darksiders Genesis, that should be able to be eligible for this year in my mind. I feel like it came out late enough last year, uh, and then, of course, consoles this year. I feel like that is fair game. You could also get around this by saying you know Xbox Game of the Year or PlayStation Game of the Year, and they could be eligible in those categories versus overall Game of the Year. Uh, based on their release dates. I, I know this is a constant point of contention for some people, but I will offer you this bit of wisdom. Game of the year doesn't matter one bit outside of marketing speak. Your favorite games, which game you think is the best, which game you think best represents the year, whether you think game of the year is best or most fun or most popular or uh, highest reviewed, highest quality, those are all debatable points, and never have I consistently found a solid answer for what Game of the Year actually means, and it means something different to so many other people. Now, IGN's version of a Game of the Year is going to be fundamentally different than Giant Bombs, than XEPs, when I give out the Must Play Awards at the end of every year. I gave out Must Play Awards at the end of every year. This is the We just finished our first year, but last year, I gave out Must Play Awards, because to me, if... If I'm recommending a game, these are the ones that I would recommend. You must play this. You must try that. Jedi Fallen Order was one of those. Darksiders Genesis will be one of those this year. I think that was a really fun game and affordable and not breaking the bank for a lot of bang for your buck and a fun world to be in. But was it the best at anything? I don't think so. I don't think so. I just had a lot of fun with it, and that was a must play for me. So... Great question, Famous Seamus, and I dodged your answer with a lot of words, and I'm so sorry, but I don't have a good answer for you, brother. Let's wrap it up with one last listener question. Of course, uh, Mariano Pampa, you wrote in asking me how I felt about the Microsoft and GameStop decisions. I think I've answered that already, so please don't think I'm ignoring your question. Instead, let's go to Jordan's question for our final listener mail of this week. Pac to Soy writes in and says... What have you been doing to help pass the time until next gen? Are you getting into the Halloween spirit yet? Are you into any particular horror games? That is a fantastic question, Jordan, because it is definitely the waiting game right now. We are a month away from the Xbox Series X, the PlayStation 5, the Series S, and man oh man, I'm ready for it. I'm so ready for it. These load times to me are egregious. And two months ago, I didn't care about the load times, but I'm seeing how fast it's going as influencers are getting their hands on it. And I don't want to miss out and waste more time looking at stalled screens for Sea of Thieves or Avengers or anything like that. Um, As far as passing the time to next gen, truly, I've been playing Sea of Thieves very avidly in the past, I would say four months, going to Pirate Legend and beyond. I'm having such a great time with Mr. Badbit and Kevin Butler. We are playing so much Sea of Thieves, that that's been a joy. Uh, That is a go-to each and every day, and it's funny how much that game has grown on me, and I've talked about it before. And it's interesting to me that when you have the right crew for any game, we played a lot of Warzone when that first came out. That's just my crew. When we move through games, uh, they hold our attention at different levels. But when you have a good group that you play with, Almost anything can be your evergreen game. I mean, this entire year, bud, we played through a ton of Halo Wars 2, ton of Sea of Thieves, lots of Rogue Company, plenty of Warzone. Uh, We played through every single Halo campaign. Having a good group is awesome, and and I love that. Uh, so of course, Sea of Thieves. Playing a lot of Crash Bandicoot Four. Really digging that game. Cannot overstate how much fun that game is as a platformer. Uh, it is hard. It's harder than I would traditionally like my platformers to be, but I'm having a blast with it. Uh, and then I, I recently rediscovered an anti-gravity racing game that I really liked, which was Redout. Um, Microsoft had a sale on the DLC for the for Redout, and I, I got back in, and I was just instantly re-hooked at just how great. That game is. Uh, if you like anti-gravity racers like Extreme G, F-Zero X, uh, the old Wipeout games from PlayStation like Wipeout Pulse, Wipeout 2048, Wipeout 3, etc. Uh, I, I really like Redout. It's not expensive. It's on multiple platforms. On Xbox One X, it looks gorgeous. Couldn't only imagine it seeing it on a Series X. Uh, so I've been playing a lot of Redout. And as for spooky games, I've had The Evil Within downloaded for over a year. And I keep telling myself I'm gonna play it, and I do plan on starting that again uh, at some point. And I'm also hoping that uh, Prey gets dropped back into Game Pass. We'll see. But I think I'm gonna start. I'm thinking I'm gonna do *The Evil Within*. I'm curious as to when I'm gonna do that because *Watch Dogs* is on the horizon, and I'm looking forward to that. But uh, yeah, that's that's really what I've been doing to pass the time. As far as spooky games, it's gonna be *Evil Within* if I do enter into that world. Um, but I've been watching some spooky stuff here and there. I'm not a big. I love Halloween but I really struggle with anxiety and horror. So, uh, I balance that a little bit and figure out just, you know, where I can stand on it. But I think evil within will be it will be it for sure. Well, ladies and gents, that will do it for my portion of the show, and I'll be sending you over to an interview with Malik Prince, and it was it was really neat for me. I want to give you a little context for this. Malik of course works with the Xbox Ambassadors and the Xbox MVP program. But that's not where I knew Malik from. I was familiar with Malik from watching lots of original mix- Mixer content and seeing him on the different episodes of Tips and Tricks and a few other guest appearances on the Mixer Blue or Red or Green shows. and I really dug it. I really enjoyed the vibe that he brought to his content, knowing, of course, that he works at Microsoft, what uh, was really cool to see as well. And I met Malik at FanFest 2019, which was super exciting for me, and one of the most genuine kind-hearted people in the world struck up a conversation took pictures and just chatted about what he wanted to do in terms of bringing community to gamers then and that led to you know over a year later now having this interview now uh we talked about everything from the very simple fun gaming conversations that you would expect to have with anybody that works at xbox to more serious things like representation in games Uh, Malik talking about how he uh, was a young black male in New York and never thought he'd end up in Redmond, Washington, working for Xbox and the growth there, and uh, talking about funny stories of not wanting to embarrass embarrass himself in the room with Phil Spencer, and uh, then working on original programming, being part of Inside Xbox's digital presentations. It was a really great conversation, and it reminded me, once again, why I love gaming so much because it can mean so many different things to different people. And admittedly, I will tell you uh, a little embarrassingly, I got a little choked up during the interview, not for any sad story, but I was just thinking when I heard Malik talking about what gaming has done for him and thinking about some of the times I've used gaming in my classroom to teach kids different aspects of story, used gaming in different ways uh, to, to elevate and get through aspects of my life. And couple all that with the news that just came out that Microsoft will be doing an Xbox Fan Fest digital version in 2020. And when I think about FanFest 2019, that was the best three days of my life. And I'm not exaggerating or being silly. It just was. I was among people that I felt like understood me for the first time for three days straight. Everybody was there for gaming and celebrating games. And that was cool. So, of course, Malik and I talked about all of that, and it was a pleasure to have him on. I hope you enjoy the interview. We start real light. We get real serious at different different points. It's longer than most traditional interviews I do, but in the best way. I hope you guys enjoy it. Please reach out to Malik. Let him know if you heard him on the show, because, of course, that will uh, give him good vibes and feels, because it was only his second podcast he'd ever done, which I thought was really kind of cool. He does all these you know displays and sharing of you know being on camera all the time for Xbox, and I've done a lot of podcasts so that was cool ladies and gents that's it for me enjoy the interview have a wonderful rest of your week take care all guys we are very fortunate now to welcome malik prince the program manager for xbox mvp and ambassador team malik welcome to the show
0: all right. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's good to be here. Uh, this is only my second ever podcast. Uh, so I'm quite nervous. Uh, you know, cracking my knuckles and whatnot. Uh, and people always, it's weird because people always say, how can you ever be nervous on anything you do? You always do on camera stuff. And I, I just, uh, that's a different person. It's an alter ego named Pegasus that I have created in my head, uh, to explain how a person that's on camera, sometimes in front of thousands of people can be nervous. Uh, when talking about himself in a one-on-one setting, but that's that's here we, that's that's who I am and here we are. <laughs> Thank you for cool. having me, uh, and it's good to be here.
1: Dude, I'm ecstatic, ecstatic to have you on the Xbox Expansion path. and Xbox fans would know you from various hosting jobs of of inside Xbox, probably seeing you around E3 and Fan Fest and the like. Uh, before we get to any of that, I want to know how you ended up working at Xbox, getting into gaming as a career. Tell me what led you to becoming uh, the program manager for Xbox MVP and ambassador team, which is the title that we went through prior to the show and is, <laughs> is word salad. How'd you get there, man?
0: Yeah. That, thank, thanks for asking. It's a, it's a good question uh, because, you know, whenever I explain this a lot, um, but it's kind of a combination of luck and, and something else. I'm not sure, but definitely a lot of luck. Um, Cause I, whenever I explain like how I got to where I am, I always go back to, um, you know, When I was 10 years old, uh, because I think a lot of what working at Xbox and any video game company, really, it's always all about passion, Um, at least the ones, the people who, you know, in my opinion, do really well. Um, And it starts with like I was 10 years old when the original Xbox came out. Right. And so I remember me and my dad, we were moving at the time and. And um, I needed a new bed. My bed was li- literally being held up on one side by a computer monitor because we didn't. I didn't come from a lot of money or anything like that, and so uh, I needed a new bed for our move. And I was like, I really want a new X. I want a new Xbox. It was going to be my first console. I was ten years old. I mean, I had an 64, but this is my first first console where I'm like ten years old and I can actually play well. And so Malik,
1: you were ten when 10, the first
0: yeah. Xbox came out. Yep.
1: Dude, oh my gosh. I was I was I was going into <laughs> college. Bad? No, it's just funny cuz I it's just wild to think about that that's how long it's been, man. I We're know. coming up on 20 some, almost 20 years of Xbox. That's Next wild. Next year.
0: Yeah, yeah, I know. It's it's really it's really quite insane when you think about it because um yeah, I, I tell that, I say that sometimes as a joke in some meetings and people get really offended. Not, not, I guess not really offended, but it's, you know, they have the same reaction that you have, um, where they're like, oh my God, I was doing this, that, and the other when you were just 10. Yeah. Um, but you know, that's a testament to the, to the legacy of Xbox. You know, people who grew up with it are now working at the company. And, and for me, um, obviously in that situation, I was like, I told my dad, I'll take the Xbox. I don't like because I knew he had to buy me a bed anyway. So if I said the Xbox, he'd end up buying me both, which he did. And so even as a young kid, I was quite clever. And then, um, so with 360, he wasn't falling for the same thing. So I got a job. I had to wait two years because I was 14 when the 360 came out. So I had to wait two years to get an Xbox 360. I got the Xbox 360 Elite, the black one with 120 gigabyte hard drive. Same mm-hmm. time the Halo 3 came out. Um, and um and so i I waited two years while all my friends were playing on three sixty uh just to get enough money to buy three sixty and then Xbox one obviously two thousand and thirteen that was the first console that I was able to buy as an adult and so throughout all that, I always tell people that just to kind of walk through like gaming it has been i have been super passionate about Xbox and gaming um basically for my entire life and and so I graduated college in two thousand and fourteen from the University of Maryland go terps i don't know if you have any terps listener, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to maryland uh, but i um uh three months later i got the opportunity uh i don't know how i actually saw it. i think it was on the xbox forums there was a listing for the xbox elite tweet fleet which if, if the listeners don't know that was actually a um it was xbox support on twitter and i think they're still around but it's in a different form but it was the guinness world record for the most responsive brand on twitter and so i was like this is, and they were like, you have to move from Maryland all the way over to, uh, you know, here in Washington, but you'd be in the building and you'd be among, you know, all the other Xbox people. And I was like, you know what? I think I'm, I'm really risk averse, but I was like, you know, this, if I really want to work at Xbox, this is my only opportunity because I always told myself I would never get a desk job unless it was at Xbox. And so I was like, this is my chance to get in. And so. Long story short, I accepted the job, moved across the country uh, to start in the Tweet Fleet. And slowly but surely, I started pitching these community um, you know, uh, initiatives with the um, Tweet Fleet just to kind of you know, humanize it. If you think about communities so like uh, maybe tech support, maybe you have a certain image in your head of like people with their weird headset on, like typing away at a call center or some, something like that. But no, we were all gamers. We sat in this big room and it was a great team, and so I wanted to make sure that the community knew that, like, when you tweet to add Xbox support, at least at that time, you were talking to people who played every day on Xbox, you know. And so I started pitching a bunch of those community initiatives, and so then I switched over to another part of our team, the Ambassadors team, and then a few years later, I um, was asked to start program managing the MVP part of our team, and so um it's kind of been a wild ride but it's all been about community for me uh for the entire time um because i you know i'm lucky enough to work with the ambassadors and with the mvps um something that i feel like is lost on a lot of people because some some people at xbox you know they don't really get to interact with the community as much as i do and i I couldn't see myself in a spot like that and so I'm, i'm very grateful for the position i'm in and we have an awesome team and so it's a long journey um that it, like, had a lot of luck, but um, I think passion also was the other part of that equation.
1: It's so funny. I'm thinking back to the many times that if I needed support, I would tweet. I'm wondering how many listeners oh. or if I, you and I have spoken via Twitter way back when, you yeah, know? I could find
0: that out for sure. Because we don't put our little.
1: I'd be embarrassed to be like, hey, I couldn't figure out how to oh. find a PowerPoint.
0: Well, now I know what I'm doing after this podcast. I'm going to go back and search because <laughs> you could, like, cause with those tweets we had to add what we called chops at the end, um, mm-hmm. and so it was like this up arrow and there are two you know um, two letters at the end just to kind of you know for accountability and who sent each tweet. Mm-hmm. And my my uh, my chops as they were called were MP, just my initials. Some people didn't have their initials, so I'll go back and I'll check and see on Twitter um, if I ever tweeted you.
1: Oh, that's uh, so cool. That's yeah. that's cool. It's a little nerve-wracking, you know. Sometimes you go back and you're like, I don't like that. But yeah, that's no, really that's cool, awesome. man. That's
0: we've awesome. We've had some pretty famous people tweet. By the way, we've had uh, one of the people from one of the guys from One Direction. I remember that was a whole thing. Uh, they tweeted us, and it just the flood of fans came in. And I'm like, we're trying to help real people with real problems. I promise we'll help whatever his name is from one direction. Um, but yeah, it, it's such an awesome job. I, I miss those days. Cause we just sat in a big room and, and I will say like, I remember the first day I walked into that building and I could have, I could have cried because it was such a, a moment, a pivotal moment where you're just like, I have played on, on this platform since I was a kid. And here I am walking into the same building, you know, that Phil Spencer works in. And so like, I don't know how often those moments happen in life, but it's something that I look back on and I'm just like, that was fricking cool.
1: That that is so cool and of yeah. course I alluded to it earlier. We as Xbox fans and, and listeners and viewers and gamers, we've seen you in, in multiple hosting gigs, you know, alongside Xbox, be it uh in inside Xboxes or E three appearances. Uh you mentioned Phil Spencer. Do you have any standout memories from from any particular one of those events that, that they just stand out to you as, as things that you would never forget or that you enjoy celebrating?
0: Yeah, I mean, with the video stuff, that was a whole different progression of how I got there. But I would say, like, if I had to look back, I mean, there's two. I would say there's two really memorable ones that I that I that I really always look back fondly on. Um, though, like, they're all awesome and great opportunities um, that I never thought I would be able to do. Um, I, I would say that the tips and tricks was a great one. Obviously, um, we did 104 episodes of that show on Mixer, and I think. That was that was really the starting point um, when, you know, Beam at the time um, was coming to Xbox One. I interviewed Matt Mendy, who was the co-founder of, of Beam yeah. and the Mixer. Um, and that was just a random thing. They were like, hey, we're going to, the you know, Beam is now going to be on Xbox. Um, so can you interview him? And I was like, I'm way out of my depth. You want me to interview the co-founder of this newly acquired company? Um, and I was like, okay, if you guys want to ruin your video, sure. Uh, but I did it. And then a few other people who, to this day, I still owe a lot of everything that I I am able to do. They were like, Hey, um, mixer is going to be a thing. It's going to be called mixer and we're going to launch some programming. Hey, do you want to be a host on tips and tricks? And so, um, we did, I, you know, started on that show and we did 104 episodes. And for me, that was like the way for me to get my feet wet and really start on my hosting journey. I, I, like uh did youtube videos for a number of years before and youtube is my main you know media consumption um i play it more than i watch youtube more than i play a game any game on xbox probably it's it's kind of crazy but um, so I had that background, but I didn't have hosting background. So for all 104 episodes, that was just me learning what it means to interview a, a person, learning what it means to listen, but also have to queue up your next question or not even go off that question and, and riff on what you're going to say next. Like all of those were invaluable moments. And then getting to do it with basically your best friend, um, Ethan, um, <clears throat> was a great moment. Uh was, you know, great, I guess, time. And so sad it's gone, but it was really cool to be able to do that. And then. The other thing was the Post Malone interview that I got to do um, because of Mixer and because of all those things. So I got to fly down to Dallas. It was my first time in Dallas, and I got to interview Post Malone, who I wasn't really a fan of, um, by the way, um, before I interviewed him. But um, after I interviewed him, he, to this day, is the nicest person I've ever interviewed, celebrity or not. He was just, like, even after we were done interviewing, he came and shook everyone's hand, and he was talking to us, and he helped a bee that was attached to my shirt, and I was freaking out. Um, he helped me get rid of that, and so yeah, he he was just a really cool, um, really cool dude, and and that interview was just huge for me because um I don't know he was Post Malone, he was like the second best selling artist of 2018, and like they asked me to interview him, and and, and he was it's just a great experience, and so I don't know Inside Xbox was awesome. I I just feel like I've been so lucky and and to be able to do any of that stuff, and it like any day that's like really tough at work i have to like stop myself and just remind myself like the opportunity that i that i've been afforded working at xbox and being in some ways a representative of the brand is like more than i could have ever asked for so yeah those those are probably the two moments i would call out but they're all awesome that's
1: that's so cool that's so cool and meeting celebrities like that finding out that not all of them can be frustrating and that's something just real people that's that's a great yeah. vibe to have and uh, you know, I mean, I, I experienced a bit of that when we were at uh, FanFest in 2019, getting to meet mm-hmm. all the members of the Xbox team. And like, oh, I look up to these people and see them on, on Mixer or the like. Uh, that has to be just a, a cool feeling there. I do want to talk about Inside Xbox, though, because okay. that show is was so unique. And we would often see you and Kate and Rikari and, and so many other voices up, up there. It was unique because it was a live show and it often got compared to things like Nintendo Directs or whatever because it was ways to deliver it. Tell me, just, I don't know the question I want to ask, Malik, but Mm -hmm. I suppose in in the Vegas sense, what was it like working on a set of Inside Xbox?
0: So I I don't, I've never got to work on it when it was in studio. Um, I did stuff that was very similar to it, like I did um, this past year, for example, I did Uh, What was it called? What was it called? GameStack Live with Ricari, and that was Mm -hmm. super awesome. And then I've worked with Kate, who Kate is like, I've learned more, I learned more hosting, uh, like about hosting from Kate than anybody else. Like, she's just an absolute pro at what she does. Um, But I got this past year, uh, or this calendar year, I got to host two of the virtual ones, which is a super big bummer, obviously, among many others. Obviously, there's more pressing issues with, with COVID, but that was certainly. Uh, you know, one of the um, you know downsides. But I got the you know I got to host it from home, and it was a little bit different. But um, yeah, I mean, I think Inside Xbox is, you know, it's kind of like this institution at this point where um, you know, you get to learn more about the games, and it's pretty high visibility, and so the pressure is on. And so in any of those live environments, um, even like if I think about um, on stage at E3, like. I, I don't know if those were considered into maybe those were considered into that. I'm not sure, but, um, those are really high, um, you know, pressure moments, stuff that I don't handle well, because I, again, I'm really shy, a shy person in real life. Uh, if you meet me, um, if you meet me outside of an Xbox setting, I feel like I'm pretty shy, but, um, yeah, but it's just, it's just, again, an honor to be even be asked, but it, it does put a lot of pressure on you and you're just like trying to make sure that you're looking in the right camera trying to make sure that you're focused on and hitting your points that you need to be hitting. Uh, and I'm sure you're familiar familiar with that, obviously. And so um, it, it's, it's you know, I don't know. It's a lot of pressure. You're representing a brand. You don't want to screw up, you know.
1: How much planning goes into stuff like that? I mean, you talked about the the ones that you did from home. Uh, yeah. Any talk of those going pre-recorded, pre-COVID, pre-COVID, I should say, recording them ahead of time, doing a live show. How much prep
0: goes into that? Yeah, like quite how, a bit. Um, like for me, I, I don't, uh, because I never did a live one, but I know just from, you know, some of the social posts that Ricari and Kate have done, like days of prep go into those shows. Um, from the at home one, yeah, same thing, but obviously in a virtual, in, in a virtual way. Um, but you know, the folks who host that show or, you know, who produce that show, they are world class um and they know what they're doing and you know i i see some of the criticism of the show but like the amount of care that goes into it um is just off the charts um and it takes it takes some really great producers to bring those things to life and i think you know what they're going for is something different obviously than nintendo direct which shows um or like a state of play or, or whatever um And so it's just a tremendous amount of work. I don't envy them one bit because I – all I do, at least in the ones that I've gotten to do, is show up and, and, you know, try and memorize lines and not make it look – like in the ones from home, for example. Like anyone can kind of go back and watch them. Uh, In one of them, I had to memorize my lines, which is super hard because, I don't know, you don't want to be reading off a screen. So I had to memorize my lines, and and that was tough because I have a terrible memory for a 29-year-old. But then also – you know, just trying to make sure that you, you know, you don't, you know, again, screw up too much. But it's I, I just show up and read all the producers and directors. They do all the really hard work. And so hats off to them.
1: Any fun uh, elbow bumping moments with some of the big wigs in any of those? Uh,
0: in On Inside Xbox, no, but I have a ton of stories of me embarrassing myself, Uh, you know, around Phil in the, in the office buildings. Uh, I don't think I'm going to say any of them because I'm afraid that he's going to be like, That's not how I remember it or that's not what happened. But safe to say that working in the same – like being a huge Xbox fan and working in the same building as Phil Spencer uh, is very intimidating because you have to keep your composure, right? Like you're not trying to bother a person, but I will say – Phil's always been the coolest, like even when I make a fool of myself like i I've remembered talking to him in the in the building and like kicking myself, you know I'm just like, what the hell did you you didn't even say it like I don't even know what I said half the times um because I'm so like i don't know such a fanboy, but um there's plenty of really embarrassing moments, some that he probably doesn't remember um but I will say like i've gotten to you know either again in passing or in actual meetings with like I remember my the first time I had a meet, meeting with Major Nelson the nicest guy I don't it was like 2000 maybe 17 or maybe yeah early 2017 2 years after I just started in general at Xbox and I had no business having a meeting with Major Nelson in my head at least and we had a meeting it was just me him and one other person and it wasn't like this guy who doesn't deserve to have a meeting having a meeting with Major Nelson he was just the nicest and um and i started i was in this week on xbox for a few weeks because of him and so i owe a lot to him aaron greenberg is literally um you know just like he is on twitter um especially when we're interacting with our mvps um always bringing the hype um it's just really it's really awesome like you mentioned earlier to kind of you you mentioned about celebrities but you know running into these um people who you look up to at xbox and and like meeting them and they're not being like terrible people like they're really awesome people so Luckily I've had some great experiences and then I've had some embarrassing ones too.
1: <laughs> well, I won't ask you to divulge those embarrassing experiences, but I can absolutely Thank say you. with full confidence that to 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 gamers those are celebrities and that right. can only be a feeling of elation, you know, meeting them at FanFest in 2019 was 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 cool, but it was in a FanFest setting you were working alongside which I would imagine carried a bit of a different weight uh and that's exciting yeah. man that's just that's that's very exciting for you that's awesome
0: yeah because everybody's busy and you know you don't know if you're catching someone on a bad day but as far as my experience has gone like i'm super grateful like they've all been so not only like in meetings so um you know open to the things that we're in the meeting about but also just like in encouraging me and saying nice things i literally have a tweet that aaron greenberg said on twitter um where it's like hey uh, he said something about Malik being the like being the future of you know Xbox or something like that, and I have that printed out here, so because um, it, it meant a lot, you know, to hear that from him. And, and the same thing has uh, happened behind the scenes, and so I, I owe them nothing but uh, my gratitude.
1: I'm shell shocked a little bit just from hearing that. That is the coolest, man. That yeah. is that's such a great feeling, man. I, wow, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, I, as I collect myself, just thinking about that. We, we, You and I met at FanFest in 2018. I remember that, one of the, I remember that thank moment. You. Hey, that's cool. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. So we, we met at FanFest. I thought that was one of the most incredible experiences. It was the best three days of my life. I've never had a, a single thing like that before to be around people that I felt like I was family with, having never met so many of them FanFest is now going digital. We're recording mm-hmm. the day prior prior to where we're going to get all the info. But yeah. so by the time that people are hearing this interview, a lot of it will be out there. But that's right. Can you tell me anything about about FanFest going digital? The excitement, the fact that it's not gone, anything there?
0: Ooh, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to wait and see. Um, no <laughs> scoops there. But I, what I will say is, um, you know, I I like you. Um, the opportunity to go down to e3 a you know again historically was for media obviously and um, and then they opened it to fans. they did a little trial run, but Xbox for years has been had been doing fan fest where you know they invited uh, fans into the briefing um, before it went public. Um, and so that watching it on TV um, at, or on the internet at growing up and then getting to go there in this new fan centric world because of fanfest like you it was just unbelievable Uh, you know not only like getting to because you know like we're in redmond here i'm I'm not in redmond but you know microsoft is in redmond and um you know you can kind of get into uh you know a little bit of a bubble but like the idea that you get to go and be among the fans because i'm a fan myself like i introduced myself Anytime I'm in a meeting as a fan, like that's how I identify much more than an employee. And so like be, getting to be among everybody and sharing these incredible moments. And I never know what's going to be in the show. So I'm just as surprised in the audience as everybody else. Um, and so, yeah, it's just an incredible moment. So now, obviously, you know, because of everything going on in the world, it has to go digital. I think it's a testament to um, the folks at Xbox for understanding that like like FanFest isn't in, in te- integral, I almost said integral. I make fun of people who say it integral, uh, integral part of, um, you know, Xbox. It, it's super important. And so, um, you know, the fact that the work has been done to try and bring this to a virtual space is, uh, you know, it, it's really telling of, of how much people at Xbox understand. Um, and I'm really excited, um, for all that news to come out. I think there are going to be some fun things happening. Um, and, yeah, so we'll leave it at that. But like you mentioned, as of this time, people know. And so um, as of this going up. And so, yeah, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. Love that it's virtual uh, and that it's going to be, you know, ongoing, it seems.
1: I'm excited to continue the celebration because it's been – it's been I, – I think it's fair to say, and you don't need to comment on this part, but it was, a, it was an odd generation for Xbox, I think. Started off rough, I think it's fair to say. And the recovery, the excitement, the positivity – and the feeling of momentum is, is, it's, it's just brilliant to watch and fun and to celebrate as gamers, uh, of any, and fans of any game thing. So when we see FanFest in 2019, for me, being such a pivotal moment, the thought of it not being around in 2020, even altered, in an altered state, was, was a bit disheartening. I'm looking at my D's yeah. backpack right now, and like, I, I carry that with me every day, and, the, I'm I'm ecstatic so that we'll have something a way to celebrate uh whenever that happens with the Series X and X uh S yeah. and X launch. It's like it's it's cool, man. That's that's well, it's testing you know, the family.
0: Absolutely. And I gotta say, like just to piggyback off what you said, I mean, um I was devastated when I found out because another important part of me coming to Xbox, or what I told myself when I when I started, was that I just wanna hold on long enough to be here during a console launch year because I know everything that goes goes on you know huge like launch parties and events, and the idea of seeing a new console and everyone's excited and so when everything started to go down and there was no you know e three was you know cancelled, which meant obviously fanfest was gonna be cancelled uh it was such a bummer because for me it wasn't only about not going getting going on to l a it was about like I've waited five years to be at Xbox during a launch year and to be a part of the team that is bringing to life this, you know, new generation. And so super, super big bummer. But um, like you, like you said, I'm I'm glad that now there's going to be, you know, some way of bringing that even if it's virtually and hopefully we can get back to in person at some point.
1: Absolutely. I agree. Before we get to talking about S and X and what we might be looking forward to Mm -hmm. a lot of, lot of talk about these Xbox MVPs and ambassadors. Tell me what, mm-hmm. what, what are Xbox MVPs? What should people know about them? What is it you really do while you're working over there with the big X? Tell me what. Uh, tell me what the MVPs are
0: yeah um i have worked with this uh in this program or as the program manager for this program for three years and i have yet to perfect the pitch and so i'm going to just do my best you know there that's what that's (laughs) what i do do my best uh but no xbox mvps are community members um, within xbox who have gone above and beyond um in community like they've exhibited some form of excellence and i say some form not to be you know marginalized it is to say that there's such a wide variety of things that they, you know, the MVP award recipients, um, you know, have done. And so really it's, you know, we call it, I say Xbox MVP program for short often, but it's really the Xbox MVP award program because half of it is an award, half of it is a program. So the first half of it, the award is just like, Hey, recognition for, Hey, you're an awesome part of the community who has taken, you know, your involvement beyond the on-platform stuff in some form. Um, and, and we, like, there's a physical reward, I mean, award, and, um, and then the program part, the other half of that, which is less talked about because it's not, I don't know, it's not super customer facing, uh, in, in many ways. Not because we're trying to hide it, but there's just not much that we can talk about. But the other part, like, that part is like, hey, as an MVP, and because we've recognized you, um, let's bring you into the, um, you know, development process when things are being thought about, like, you know, if a new feature is coming up or or somebody's working on a new product, oftentimes, you know, I mentioned being in Redmond in this Redmond bubble. Um, you know, you want to be sure to take into account gamers from across the world. And one of the first things that when I took over the M V P program, took over when I, you know, started managing the M V P program was um, you know, a huge push on diversity. Um because Microsoft talk like Xbox talks about it all the time. Like there's 2 billion gamers on the planet. And what I always like to say to people is like, there's not 2 billion of the same kind of person in the world. There's not 2 billion people in the U.S. even, right? Like there needs to be diversity, background diversity, uh, you know, like if you think racial diversity, um, even geographical diversity and, and accessibility. Uh, we, need, we need folks who can speak to the accessibility part of, of the development. So we bring them into conversations um, and they help to shape the future of what's going to be announced with Xbox. And so that's super important. And I may be biased when I say this, but I feel like Xbox does a better job um, than almost any gaming company of, of listening to the community, whether it be having people like Phil and Aaron on Twitter and interacting and answering questions or, you know, our presence on the Reddit, the Xbox insiders, the ambassadors, the MVPs, like all of those are kind of listening systems for Xbox where like we want to hear from them and they're all, they all work in different ways. Um, But with MVPs, it's like, hey, we're working on a thing. We want your input, or we have this thing. How do we, you know, make it better? And so I I facilitate that um, engagement between Team Xbox and and the community in that way.
1: That it's awesome. I think to hear the ways and the methods that Xbox is listening and looking Mm -hmm. to adapt, and the ambassadors are, are in that umbrella and they act in a similar way. Uh, how would you distinguish or separate, like, what's the role of the ambassadors, uh, in the community?
0: Yeah, uh, it's a great question. Um, if I go back to MVPs for a second, so we have like 60 MVPs, right. And so, Mm -hmm. um, it's a number that in an ideal world would be much higher because I think there are so many community members that are deserving of it. Um, but it kind of just ends up being a really low number. Um, and that's awarded for like some sort of excellence. But with ambassadors um ambas- the ambassador's program is really a way to get um, everyone involved as much as possible. And so, and like the ambassador program uh, is really all about making the gaming community, a more safe, welcoming, and inclusive environment. Um, I think, you know, gaming can sometimes get a bad rap for some toxicities a lot, a lot of the times. Um, but I think, you know, Overall, the gaming community is great and, and very welcoming, and um, everyone kind of rallies around each other, right? It's all about, it's kind of like like you mentioned, a big family. Um, and so with ambassadors, there are few requirements to becoming an ambassador. Like you have to have, like you have to be 17 or older, you have to have 1500 gamers score, and that's just to stop. That's not really to stop bots, but it's just to show that you've you know engaged on the platform in some, some ways, and then like no prior enforcement actions on your account. Um, But really, ambassadors are trying to utilize their passion for Xbox to make the gaming community a better place. And there's various different ways. So if you're an ambassador, you'll go to the website and we have this missions page that has a whole bunch of things in a gamified form where if you do it, you'll get XP and you can unlock various things. And there's simple things like, you know, after you've played a game with somebody, right, and you've had a great experience with them, like sending them GG, right, a good game message. Because that is like one small action that can have a ripple effect. You know, somebody who may be having a bad day, um, you know, sees that message and and they're like, wow, somebody who I didn't even know with, who I just happened to spend a little bit of time playing with, sent me this good game message. That feeling that you get when a stranger reaches out, that can multiply. And so I think one of the things we're looking to do is get as many people in the ambassadors program as possible. Um, get them on board with this idea of making ga- gaming a better place, and then utilize them to spread. You know, work alongside them to spread that message amongst gamers. It, it seems almost like a, a daunting task, but it, it really isn't. It's one of those things where I think people want to be good to each other. Um, they just need a little bit of encouragement, and our ambassadors, in many ways, are at, at the forefront of that. And so. It's really all about, you know, just making the community a better place. And and so we have about three, I I actually don't actually know the exact numbers. So I don't even want to say it just in case they're like, I get back and they're like, we heard that podcast and it's the wrong number. Um, But, you know, there are hundreds of thousands of ambassadors. And so that was going to be my question. Are we talking?
1: So we're talking hundreds of thousands of people, not like a couple hundred, not a couple thousand. We're talking hundreds of
0: thousands. Yeah. Because anyone can really get in outside of, you know, within those three requirements. And so, um, and then within that, we have now a new leveling system. So when you join the program, because anyone can get in, we start you out at level zero. And as you start to learn more about, you know, making the community better and how to be, you know, an ally in the community for for maybe people who have an underrepresented voice and stuff like that, like you'll level up. You know, it's I think you start at zero, uh, and then you go, you like really quickly you'll go to one, and then you can go all the way up to level four, where you know certain you know exclusive opportunities open up to you. Um, and so it's really all about, you know, just becoming a better community member um, and, and spreading that. And, yeah, so there's hundreds of thousands of ambassadors right now.
1: You mentioned underrepresentation, and mm-hmm. my mind veered a little bit, perhaps away from ambassadors, but still within mm-hmm. our realm here. Uh, yeah. Thinking about all the initiatives that I've, I've seen Microsoft, Microsoft specifically, not even Xbox, uh, push out over the past few years or make more more well-known uh to bring people from from underrepresented groups th- throughout the LGBT community, different types of racial diversity, bringing them into a, a a better spotlight for recognition and for growth within the community is is that something that the ambassadors or that you've gotten to work with personally and seen uh, the benefits of or is it something that's still ongoing? Uh, yeah, I, it's a tough question to word.
0: Yeah, I but I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, it's it is I think it's going to be ongoing for quite some time. I think there's a lot of work to do as far as diversity goes, not only, you know, not only within the community, but in within companies, right? Like um, a lot of the time people, a lot of times people will, you know, for example, who work not necessarily at Xbox, but in general or work to what they know, right? Like, and you can only like talk about your own experience. And so that's why it's super important to bring diverse um, people into Xbox and although all those initiatives for, you know, employment, because, you know, with the community, that's like a, another microcosm where it's just like, there are so many things that the ambassadors program are doing like that we're doing in the ambassadors program to uh, spotlight underrepresented communities. Because if I go back and I always tell the story, like when I go back and I think about, you know, being, uh, you know, a, a fan, which I, again, I'm, I still consider myself a fan, but before I worked at Xbox and even all the way back to when I was a young kid, like I talk about my passion for gaming, I used to get like I used to subscribe to Electronic Gaming Monthly and then you had like a Ryan McCaffrey on, I was a huge OXM fan um, and I always, like what I will always remember is that I would look through those magazines and I would never find someone who looks like me at a you know you know, featured or on stage at E3 or whatever the case may be um, and beyond just having a geographical separation from where the video game industry was, because I was born in New York, I, and then I grew up in, in Maryland in many ways. Um, those two places I was. And then the gaming industry was on the west coast. And so beyond just knowing that I was on the other side of the country from the video game industry, I also said there was no chance of me working at Xbox because I just didn't see people who looked like me. And then in games. Now, to be, about-
1: to be clear. I know this seems so silly, but some of our listeners may never have seen you, Malik. Oh, talking, yeah. talking about a, a young black male. Yeah, there yeah, we go. Exactly.
0: Okay. Yeah, that, that's good context. Yeah. So, I'm, you know, I'm this black kid who, you know, just loves, knows he loves video games and knows that he wants to work in video games in some way. But again, like, I don't see many black people in the industry. And so um, that was a non-starter. I think people don't quite understand what that means when you're growing up, because you don't understand necessarily why that is the case, you just know that it is the case, and so, um, you know, as I started working here, um, you know, or when I, I remember two moments, um, one was when I went to E3 for the first time, like I mentioned, um, I had just, it was 2016, and I, I sat there at E3, and I saw Rakari, um come out on stage uh, for Killer Instinct, and I'd, I'd never seen Ricari before in my life. Um, and so when I saw him on stage, that was a huge moment for me. Uh, don't tell him, uh, hopefully he's not listening because I don't <laughs> need his head getting any bigger than it already is, okay. Uh, but no, when i when I saw Riarii, I um I was like, oh, they put a black man on stage, and it may have happened before, but i I certainly don't recall it. And they so put Rikar
1: in state of decay.
0: yeah, <laughs> I know they put him, they put him in state of decay, which is funny because I te- I think technically he can't say that it's him. And that's why he has a different name or something like that. I don't. I don't know. But yeah, I I cannot believe that they gave him that much praise by putting him in the game. He I'm sure <laughs> has like pictures of that. And um, but you know, good for him. But yeah, it was just like um one of those moments. And then even at I think it was last year's E3, but it might have been two years ago with Sarah Bond, who kind of runs yes. the Game Pass team. Yeah, I had never seen her before, like even at Xbox period. Like not in the building, not on emails nowhere and so it's just it's kind of as someone who worked at xbox during seeing those two people on stage like to know that i had never seen them before like i can't imagine that many of many, many people outside of working at xbox you know knew of them Ricari maybe because he you know he was big in the halo scene and stuff like that but um it's really important that you see people who look like you and you like so it has to start on the employee level and then you know it has to be deliberate um initiatives on the community level like for programs that are highlighting the community to feature those um you know those groups because the one thing another thing that i'm really proud of and that i remember was a few years ago um xbox is throwing a holiday party at the microsoft this 2018 xbox threw a holiday party at the microsoft store in new york city and um it was for um black youth and they asked me to go there which is nobody on that team knew that when i was born in new york and I mean, they knew I was black, but they didn't know I was born in New York. And so I don't think they quite knew what that meant for me to be able to go back to that Microsoft store. And they, I was the MC for it. And so I hosted it with, um, I forget what Will Smith's son, not Jaden, the other one. Um, I, I forget his name, but, um, like for me to go and MC that event and be able to inspire um, the black kids who were were in the audience and were there to play Fortnite and like, tell them like, Hey, you may be in New York. You may be, you know, you may not see yourself represented in the community, but like, you can actually make it to what you want to be. Like that was super important. And, and it's not like, when I look back on that, I would say probably that's the most meaningful thing that I've ever got to do because it was so full circle and very few people knew that it was full circle for me. And so that was super awesome. And so, um with the Ambassadors program i think you know our team is diverse um and our our ideals are diverse but i think one thing that we um really focus on is highlighting underrepresented communities and being able to showcase you know make make them feel like they belong because they do so
1: that that was emotional for me to hear and yeah. i can only sympathize perhaps not empathize but i can tell you Malik, that, uh, when Sarah Bond did her, I believe it was the 2019 E3, where she walked, was out there and talked about Game Pass, I've used her presentation to show several of my young black female students mm-hmm. that you can be that kid, that you can yeah. grow up and do that. And I will now use this interview to do the same thing. Oh, uh, sweet. Awesome. And that is, that is a cool feeling. So I apologize for veering again, but that's, that's a cool, cool vibe. No, oh, I, I
0: appreciate that. And yeah, even, even if I look back at, um, you know, there's a video on the Xbox YouTube channel, um, and I'm not sure if you showed this, but like there's a video on the Xbox YouTube channel where it's like behind the scenes of that presentation. And it's one of my favorite videos that they've ever put out, um, just showing like all the work that goes into that and the, even the Keanu Reeves thing, like hiding him mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Yeah. And at the very end of, um, that video, or towards the end, like Sarah is talking about what it means to be a, to have been on stage and to have that trust because she knows what that moment means. Yes. And, um, and so she, and she starts tearing up and it's just like, I understand what she's going through because you just want to be able to showcase to the community um, that, you know, you can, you know, push through and make it. And so I, I will always remember that. And, and those moments were really important
1: in 2020 being such a strange year. And for many of the things to be frustrated with, I have been very proud and pleased to see the gaming community respond to bringing more voices to light that that shine lights on diversity not just racially but in gender gender uh spectrums and whatnot it's been very cool yeah but let's 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 shift more light-hearted uh, okay let's cause do it because I, I feel very heavy right now this is <laughs> yeah that intense. was heavy it's, it's, it's in, a, my in a great way session Thank in you. a great we'll, way appreciate that <laughs> all right, Malik. Let's let's. All right, we have a, we have community writing questions ranging from from the the most serious to, to to less serious. Let's go with the most serious first. Some gent named Northern Zoot. He wants to know who your favorite Xbox ambassador is and why it might be a gentleman named Northern Zoot.
0: See, this question, you know, it really makes me sad because now everyone's gonna know that my favorite ambassador is Northern Zoot. Mm-hmm. And so um, now I'm going to be accused of playing favorites, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I'm gonna, I'm, I've been exposed. Um, and so now, um, unfortunately, Zoot, now you're no longer my favorite for doing that. And so, hate to break it's it's it tough. to you on on this uh, on the Xbox <laughs> expansion pass, but uh, yeah, that's that's sorry, Zoot. You're no longer <laughs> my favorite. Everyone's right. my favorite.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's tough, Zoot. It's tough. You had a good run though, bud. You had a good run. Absolutely. Uh, famous Seamus, a lot and often contribute. Oftentimes. He he writes in a lot. He's great. He says, "What is your favorite moment from the Xbox community?"
0: Mm, favorite moment from the Xbox community. Oh, that's I don't know why that's so tough. There's been so many. I, I would you know I honestly I would go back to E3. Like I really like if I if I look back at like E going to E3 that was huge. And then I really love how the community rallied uh, behind or, or the community reaction to BackCompat. Like if I look back at things that I wasn't involved in, like 2015 when BackCompat was announced because it was thought to be impossible with the amazing engineers and, and Bill Stewell, someone who um, worked on that team, PM that team. Um, I know him very well now. Um, that was really cool to see because it was almost like it started what is going on right now, right? Like, where, like, your investment in Xbox means something, right? And you can go back and you can play the games that you bought. That was cool to see um, that, you know, that uproar in that audience. So, I don't know. I think going to E3 in, in that moment, probably my favorite community-based moments.
1: That's cool. And and shout-out to Bill Stowell. I I don't know if he yeah. listens to the show, but uh, great hockey fan over on Twitter. But yeah. I use compat at least – Five out of the seven days that i game on xbox in some way shape or form i love back Compat, and and nice. i think it catapulted the idea of forward compatibility that if you just have xbox you play xbox and that's no. cool that is exciting. that's what it is
0: yeah. so what's your what's your favorite back compact game like what's your favorite game to go back to from back oh man generations?
1: oh god that, see that's that is tough i will say that i unabashedly love the arkham games and oh, nice. this past winter, I went back and played uh, Arkham Origins, which is only available back and pavia via disc. I'm sure there's all the licensing stuff, but I, I regularly go back to to a number of 360 games. I'm blanking because you're asking me. Uh, uh,
0: exactly. That's how it goes. Right. Ugh, I hate when that happens.
1: But, you know, but it, it's it if anything, it's not even a regular game outside of Arkham or Halo or whatnot, because a lot of the stuff's been remastered or, or brought forth in definitive editions. But it's the ability to know that it's not gone. Like Supreme right. Commander 2, I love that game. Not many people know that game. It's a strategy game. But mm-hmm. I go back and play that a lot. And it's just, yeah. it's a cool thing. And every week, games, or every month, games of gold or Game Pass is bringing you something that you might have missed. And that's yeah. that's cool
0: stuff. And the fact that the disc works, I think that's just a cool added touch. Like, some people have the disc and, like, I, obviously doesn't play off the disc, but, um, it's just a really cool touch that if you invested in the physical version of those games, obviously with the original Xbox, that's all there was, but, um, that's just a cool, that's a cool little thing that that still works to this day, some of those games.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's keep going with questions here. Jordan right, at, uh, Pack to Soy. I don't know if I I'm know pronouncing that. that right, Jordan. I'm sorry. He says, uh, how has the, how has gaming and the imba- Xbox Ambassador community Helped you through this doozy of a year, and then he also wants to know that being a fast food aficionado, what's your top ranked restaurant?
0: Oh, Jordan. Uh, yeah, no, I. Uh, that first question, how has it helped? Yeah, I, I mean, I think everyone's kind of been brought together by games um, this year. You know, um, there's really no better time to like, um, you know, play with friends, and because um, you you can't really go anywhere. Some people are, you know, some people are able to go places, but. You shouldn't go anywhere. You should stay inside your home as much as possible, you know, obviously. Um, But and be safe if you don't. But no, I I, uh, it's funny because I have actually played games less. I feel like I've been on the other side of things where I have been sleeping a lot. All I do is take naps. Um, And so gaming has been there in between my naps and work. Um, so uh, I, I think and my, my habits haven't changed too much. I will say that because of this year, I'm confident I'm going to be able to finally finish Red Dead Redemption 2. I have not finished it yet. Uh, it's been two years, and I'm trying to get it done before Cyberpunk comes out. And so uh, it has allowed afforded me more time to, like, run through that game. Um, and then on the second question, uh, what was it about fast food? What's my you favorite? He would like
1: to know your, your current favorite uh, or top-ranked fast food restaurant.
0: Oh. Oh, I mean, that's an easy answer. McDonald's. Um, uh, well, I, some people, so I like Shake Shack, but some people don't consider that fast food. Um, so if it is considered fast food, that's, that's my favorite place to go. I think they have the best fries, better even than McDonald's. Um, but McDonald's has to be it. Cause there's just, I think it's all about convenience with fast food and they're just McDonald's everywhere. And so it's just easy to always, you know, kind of just go there and pick up a, and, you know, if if Jordan really wants to know, my, my go-to meal at McDonald's uh, is usually a quarter pound of cheese, no pickles because those are gross. I'm just kidding. <laughs> if, I don't know if there's pickle lovers out there. I am uh, offended. You, oh, you like pickles? <laughs> I hate pickles. I swear, so. You know what they remind me of? They remind me of, like, when your parent would put a banana in, uh, in like, your lunchbox and then everything would taste like a banana. I don't know if that's ever happened to you. But, I
1: know exactly what you mean. Yeah,
0: it's really frustrating. Um, But, yeah, quarter pound of cheese. Four piece nuggets, uh, fries, and a uh, apple pie. So, no, McDonald's, I know you're doing a lot of celebrity uh, created meals. If you ever want to do one for Malik, that's that's what it would be. It's time. It's time for the imprints, right there. There you go. And sponsored the sponsored the podcast, McDonald's. Come on.
1: Hey, yeah, where are they at? Come <laughs> on. Now. Uh, all right. So this. All right. I like this question, but it's it's a doozy of one. Okay. So this one comes in from Captain Logan, who who's a friend of mine. He runs a, an incredible. A sea of Thieves podcast. Uh, he's a he's a recent member of the Xbox ambassadors and plays a lot with sightless combat. Nice. Uh, he says he doesn't have a ton of time to dedicate to the program, but he's curious to know uh, if or how the Xbox ambassador team works with uh, studios to try to create and institute uh, community collaboration. Like, meaning, mm-hmm. do they balance you know what the community wants? To, are they talking? to the ambassadors specifically before or after QA, how do they deal with positivity toxicity? Cause when you've got, you know, 50 million active users plus at this hundred million at this point, it's got, I'm sure some communities go toxic or, or get, can get frustrating. How do, that's a lot to unpack, but how do the ambassadors work to, to mitigate that? And do they talk to studios?
0: Yeah, it's a good question. I think that, um, you know, like you said, you know, there're always gonna be bad apples in there, and certainly when you have as many people on the service as as you do um and the ambassador's program, we really put the you know give the ambassadors the tools and and the guidance to be great people, and then they they kind of decide where they go because you know we don't want to push them in one direction like towards a certain game. Um, the games community, um, it's like you are a, uh, Xbox gamer, then you become an ambassador. And in all the places that you already play, just take those values with you. And so we haven't focused too much on sending people to specific games, but well, we did just launch this new, um, initiative called the Xbox Community Game Club, which is basically utilizing the fact that in Game Pass, everyone has the same library, and we encourage everyone to play a specific game. So this kind of goes back to what I said, but we, uh, you know, incentivize people of pl- playing this specific game to bring the community together. So let's say if it's Sea of Thieves, that game is featured. And so we encourage people to, like, set up LFGs, connect with other people, be really, uh, you know, encouraging and positive in those games. And so we're definitely moving more towards that goal. And, um, you know, it, it's it's interesting because a lot of those first-party studios have their own communities already. Like, Sea of Thieves has a huge... Um, like um, forms And so there's like Halo, obviously, and, and all of those. And so what we want to do is just, you know, start um, encouraging our ambassadors to just spread positivity wherever they are. But I think it makes a lot of sense for us to, you know, focus on specific communities and our team um, is beginning to partner with a lot of those studios. And so you'll probably see it more in the future.
1: Gotcha. Gotcha. And so that it's a lot to unpack when it comes to stuff like that. Yeah. Before I let you go, Malik, I would be okay. remiss if I did not ask you what you are excited for, man. We've got series S and X. By the time this, this episode is live, it'll be less than a month away. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you, did you pre-order? Do you have to pre-order? I don't know what you're standing. Do you, do you guys get to sign up for one? S or X? What's your preference? What uh, what games are you looking to play first? Give it, tell me all, man. What are you looking forward to?
0: Let me tell you something, Luke. I am. I am a fan and a community member through and through. And so I was in the trenches on September <laughs> 22nd with everybody else, um, pre-ordering. Uh, you know, I woke up extra early. I think it was 8 a.m. and which is early for me. So um, you didn't
1: take lunch break at 11 like I did. You didn't take no. your lunch. You got to just get up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can
0: imagine how that was like a thing. Like, Hey, I, I have to you have to go on lunch. No. Yeah, we I had just woken up uh or I woke up a little bit earlier. I walked my dog, got some breakfast. I was in there ready and I knew exactly I had a $200 credit at Best Buy and Best Buy took an hour or more to put it up and so I'm just refreshing that page. But mm-hmm. I did get a pre-order in and so I'm very happy about that. And so yeah, I'm I'm super pumped. Like I said, I've always wanted to be around Xbox during a launch year um but I I have to secure my own console for sure. And so mm-hmm very excited for november 10th and i'm very excited for most excited for cyberpunk um uh on the 19th of november i believe there's actually a um night city wire coming up pretty soon so i'm pumped for that i just i think that game is going to be amazing um i'm playing like i mentioned i'm playing red dead right now and there's not been a game that i've ever played that has immersed me like red dead and i'm sure that uh cyberpunk is going to do that for me but um in the meantime, I'm just you know spending my time playing uh, Apex Legends, um, horribly, obviously, but you know it's, it's these quick games, so I can get it and get out. And, and
1: don't don't go now. being modest. I remember the mixer shows. You want a few games or a few games on the regular?
0: Yeah, usually when I was paired with somebody who was competent, you know, I <laughs> I you know I would say that I'm getting better at the game, but you know, first-person shooters and battle royales more specifically are not. Not my strength, you know. I don't make I don't make the best decisions in the game when it comes to uh where to go and like you know, weapons to use. So well, I'm did working you, on it though. Did
1: you get an S or an X? Which one suited you best? Ooh,
0: yeah, I got an X. I got mm-hmm. an X. Um I will get an S though, because I have a desk here. Um mm-hmm. I said it like nobody else has a desk. I have a desk right here. Uh, oh, you, no. look at you, big yeah, guy! <laughs> no fancy, um, but yeah, I did. I bought. I actually bought a sixty five uh, inch OLED earlier this year. So I was ready back then. I saved up. Just kidding. I didn't save up. It was fiscally irresponsible, but I did it anyway. Uh, and <laughs> so I'm ready with that. Uh, ready for that Series X, um, and then I'll I'll definitely get a Series S for sure.
1: Did you Did you do any uh, accessories or anything like that? Anything for fun? No, I was streets. thinking.
0: I was thinking about getting the you know the uh, Seagate drive, um, but you know I I am the kind of person who really just sticks to a few games at a time, and, and mm-hmm. because you can use your USB your regular USB drive to at least store those games, the new series of X and S games, I'll probably just use that. So I I will pick up that new shock blue controller though. Yeah, um, that looks amazing. Um, it's just a controller, obviously, but the color is just pretty stunning when you see it in person. So. I am gonna get that, and that's probably it. I don't know, yeah. and a that's new headset cool. maybe. I need a new headset.
1: That's cool. I uh, I went and sn- I snagged the X as well, and we nice. ordered the shock blue. So you and I are in the same or oh, similar boats perfect. there. Huh. Held off on the Seagate. I'm in the wait and forgive sure. the pun. See, I want to wait and see on that one. Because uh, nice. if like, I, I need that. it, I'll do it. Uh, but yeah, man, w- you're waiting for Cyberpunk. I'm in the 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 phase where I'm like, all right. I've got all these games that I like now, but I would rather wait till I have better load time. So, like, I'm looking at Watch Dogs and Valhalla and Cyberpunk, yeah. and I play a lot of Sea of Thieves and Halo Wars, and because uh, Infinite was where my mind was, and now that Infinite has vacated, and I've made my peace, and I'm I'm very happy for that team to be better off and comfortable, make what they want to make. But I I will tell you, I had to like reevaluate. Okay, what am I what am I going to play now? Yeah. Because I decided to set away so much time. But uh, I've I've spent all that money on all sorts of infinite memorabilia, which has been a blast thus far. Um, yeah, I was yeah. listening to the
0: episode when uh, when that got delayed, and I know how much it, it was a bummer for you. It was, it was a huge bummer for me. I've played more Halo 5 than any other game uh, ever, which is interesting because I know Halo, Halo 5 – some people prefer Halo 2 multiplayer. I'm a huge Halo 5 multiplayer guy, and so mm-hmm. I was really ready for that, but you know, like you said, that team is incredible and does incredible work, and mm-hmm. so I just know that the time that they're going to use, uh the extra time that they're going to, that they have, they're going to use really well, and so I I'm super pumped to see what happens with it.
1: Absolutely. And I will say I'm appreciative to any group of people that works to make entertainment for us. And if Absolutely. they need more time, they should get it, COVID or not. Uh, yeah. And we've seen great things happen from so many games. I'm mean, looking at my my wall, and of all the wonderful games, many of them went through delays. Delays, and it happens. It happens. It happens, indeed. Yeah. Well, Malik, I have kept you far longer than I intended to, but I was thoroughly okay. enjoying uh, the, the array of topics we covered. Uh, please let people know where they can find you, where they can where they should look to continue following your work, uh, and what you might point them to in the future
0: yeah well I'll, let me just start by saying thank you for having me um really scraping the bottom of the barrel here, but I appreciate it nonetheless nonetheless and um yeah, no, so um you can follow me at Malik Prince on twitter uh keep up with my shenanigans um and uh a lot of things happening between now and launch, so keep an eye out for that uh at xbox on twitter and yeah it's gonna be a lot of fun i'm I'm super pumped again, not ideal, but um nonetheless, I think gaming has been a great um unifier in in this very crazy world and so um if we can look for a little bit of joy i think we're going to get that on the 10th of november and then going into the holiday season so i'm super excited um so look look out for various things that are going to be announced here pretty soon